0: Welcome to another edition of the Hangout Podcast. This is your host, Juan Hernandez. Thank you guys for tuning in to the show. It's been, it's been, see, I can't even get it up. <laughs> I truly appreciate you guys tuning in to this show. And nothing makes me more happier than, you know, actually reaching out to people and, No, hearing about them liking the show, it's something I never thought that would happen. I was always under the assumption that nobody was listening to the show. But people, people enjoy it, man. Friends and family and anybody in general. This is not, this is not the Joe Rogan experience, like I always say. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and ramble for three hours about nonsense. (laughs) But. You know, we we try to keep it short, simple and concise to the point because in this day and age, it's like I like I say, it's the era of streaming, whether it's TV shows, movies, music. What else? What else am I missing? I know there's something else. People have too many subscriptions nowadays to a lot of crap like Netflix and. Hulu Plus, or whatever. Who's a Hulu Plus? Hulu, Disney Plus, The Zone, ESPN Plus. What else? Amazon Prime, HBO, Apple TV Plus. Everything's a plus plus. <laughs> uh, the Hangout Podcast Plus. People subscribe to this show. <laughs> Sirius XM. I mean, it's... And then you have your podcast that you listen to, so... It's like, man, what is this all coming to? And of course, there's this you have you have a niche audience that listens to particular shows like the major ones. You know, Joe Rogan experience, Chris Jericho's podcast, Steve Austin's show. What's What else? Another big one. Joe Diaz podcast. And then you have people that just start up a podcast and they don't follow up with it. I've seen that happen multiple times where they'll start a show and maybe go 10 episodes in and then just quit say it was too hard granted it's not easy for for everybody to do i mean if everybody it's to the point where everybody has a podcast nowadays everybody can have a podcast but whether whether you're willing to stick through with it that's a different story not everybody's made for public speaking no less rambling into a microphone like i am inside my car on remote location at mason park not everybody can do that (laughs) i don't know what drives me to do this whether it's the spontaneity of it or the fact that people listen to the show or the fact that i have too much to say on my mind or i just want to hear myself i don't know i don't know (laughs) i honestly don't know but it's 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 been quite the eventful year. And I'm just kind of doing this on the fly as I go. I honestly don't know what I'm going to talk about on this episode. So let's pull something up right now. Let's see here. As I kill time to figure out what I'm going to do. And see, that's, that's the beauty of having a podcast. You can... If you're in charge of everything, you can just do whatever you want with it. No script. No. No, uh, no, nothing, really. <laughs> no idea what you're going to talk about like I am right now. I'm just kind of making stuff up as I go. I could either go two two routes. I can do. OK, here's what we're going to do for this. For this edition, this is going to be another music edition. How about that? I should have started that early on, like five minutes, five minutes into this. I'm barely saying what it's going to be about. But this is another music edition of the show. And I've been wanting to do this for, I think it's been close to a year since I wanted to touch on this subject matter. No, it's not about lip syncing. It's not about backing tracks. And I'm not going to be trashing anybody out there. This is specifically going to be my top 10 favorite drummers. Now, this subject matter is very, very broad. I typically try to... I'm kind of basing it off of hard rock and heavy metal. I know a few drummers in different in other genres, but... Since I already have the list made up here, I mean, why not? <laughs> it's just a lot easier when it's sitting right in front of you. And it, it, it's not a particular order. I'm just going to kind of go off and name each one of them and their respective bands and whether if I've seen them live or not. But here we go. First drummer on the list is Neil Peart. Well, see, I, I screwed up the name already. The actual pronunciation is appeared but I've always known everybody's always known him as Neil Peart of Rush that arguably he arguably has to be the best drummer period whether it's a rock drummer or is just the best drummer period had the opportunity to see him perform live twice with Rush two separate occasions the first occasion was the Time Machine Tour, which was my favorite Rush tour that I saw out of the two, and then the 40th anniversary tour. I got, and and to kind of give, I should have I should have given a background as to why I'm doing the top 10 favorite drummers, because for the long for as long as I can remember, as a kid, 10 year old kid, I grew up. Loving the drums. Matter of fact, there's actually a picture of me at 10, 11 years old. Was it 10 or 11? Of me behind one of my uncle's drum kits in Mexico. I meant to put that picture up sometime. I've always loved the drums. I've always wanted to have an acoustic kit. Given the fact that I still live in an apartment that's not very practical... So I ended up buying an electric kit which is a lot easier. You could just plug in your headphones and nobody knows you're even playing. So I, and Neil Peart was actually one of the first drummers I I started watching when I was a kid. My dad had the Rush Chronicles video cassette where they had all their music videos on there and he was always one of those guys that I would I would look up to and say, "Man, is, he's just so he's just so technical and so precise where it's it's not about playing fast and it's not even about playing playing hard either it's just a matter of taking everything you know every every influence you have and just putting it all together with your bandmates you know Gerry Lee and Alex Lifeson and i i love i love Neil there's a certain period. There's, a, I mean, when don't when what period don't I like him in? Because they went through different period, different periods throughout their career. They had their progressive era, they had the the what what era was that? The synthesizer era. Then you had like the grunge era. But it was always Rush. Throughout the mid nineties. Neil reinvented his drumming style and actually took drum lessons and started playing with the traditional grip, which completely added a whole new element to Rush and to his playing too. Neil doesn't play drums anymore. He When, when Rush quote-unquote retired, they never said they did, but when they retired, he basically said that he was done. There was no nothing left in him to do because, well, number one... When you've been drumming like that for so long, you tend to develop health issues. And I think his were, I believe he was dealing with some chronic arthritis. I mean, it, it takes us toll. Imagine him playing drums at 24 as opposed to when you're 64. That's, that's a lot of drumming and it's a lot of maintenance to keep up with. I remember watching an interview one time on CNN with him where he talked about the interviewer asked him about how he stayed in shape. And he said that he would always be swimming and maintaining his cardio and you would never you, know, you would never think if you see him you'd you'd be like oh yeah he's a drummer he's a drummer. Totally the complete opposite. I've Emulated some of his songs <laughs> when I'm playing those those Rush songs, playing along to them. They're not they're not easy, even for an amateur drummer like me. They're not easy, and when you're trying to keep time and just try, trying to drum just like him, because he's always been very how he plays it on the record is how he plays it live. There's no in betweens, and that's what really. It it really struck with me that he that he maintains that au- being that authentic, where people can drum his parts live, and you see it on in the, in these in these concert videos. But man, it's just I, I mean, what what a guy he has he had to in my opinion he is the the drummer. I know people might say there there's others, but to me it's him Tommy Lee is next on the list I know very controversial most people don't consider him a drummer but Tommy Lee is to me criminally underrated as a drummer when you start listening to those Motley Crue songs and those drum beats Dr. Feel Good and Wild Side very very underrated again not. Uh, not playing fast not playing he's always playing to the groove i read tommy lee's autobiography a few years ago and it really it was almost kind of like a parallel to me because uh, we share so many so many common interests and so many i guess in our upbringing too and the type of person that we are i think we share the same i think his birthday's also in october so i think he's also a libra not that that means anything, but <laughs> back in the 80s when Motley Crue was in their prime, he was notoriously known for the the stage show, whether it was the the rotating drum set, the drum set in the cage that was flipped backwards, the roller coaster drum set, just whatever, whatever it may be. And of course, you know, as time went on, the tabloids came out the sex tape with Pamela Anderson oh that that that's just nonsense to me you know you get caught up in stuff like that it's to me it's whatever you no know, as long as you're still in it for for the music which he always was and to this day still is i don't knock him for any of that whatever he wants to do in his personal life that's that's him you no know, he can do whatever he wants with that so Cri- Tommy Lee, criminally underrated. Again, I always go back to that intro to Dr. Feelgood. I still still try to knock it down at least once a week. See here. I'm just going to count to see how many I have total. I might be missing one from here. One, two. No, no I got ten. Okay. Eric Carr. Eric Carr very interestingly he he's no longer with us he passed away I think I was about a month old when he passed away passed away November 1991 fairly overlooked as one of the dr- few drummers for Kiss very very rock oriented A lot different than what Peter Criss brought to the table as far as drumming goes. Peter Criss was more the original drummer for Kiss was more big band slash swing slash jazz type of drumming. He added that little element for Kiss, whereas Eric Carr was more from the school of Led Zeppelin and more straight ahead rock. And if you uh, prime example, look no further than. Kiss Creatures of the Night 1982 with that thunderous drumming that he was able to produce for that for that album I mean nobody had a heavier drum sound at that time than Eric Carr and he just so happened to come into a strange period to where he's replacing the original drummer and he has a whole different character and he's playing those songs, but trying to come up with new songs at the same time. I mean, if I were him, I'd be happy. But he always had had it. He always felt that. And of course, he had his reasons. I know. He was never going to be the, the original drummer in Kiss, which he, nobody ever will other than Peter Criss. And, but he was always afraid towards the end of his, of his life he he, th- he knew that he would end up getting replaced by Eric Singer when they started bringing him into the mix. Eric Carr passed away. He had a rare heart condition at that time had to go to chemo surgery and he knew from, from towards the end when they started playing with Eric Singer that he would be the one replacing him in the band One of my favorite shows, live shows for KISS would have to be the one of the Animalize tour shows from 1984. I think that was around the time. Well, the whole glam era, MTV era was peaking at that time. I think they were at the peak of glam. And everybody had their flashy guitar players. That they, you know, they try to keep up with Eddie Van Halen at that time, but no, no, that's not that's not that show. But that's one of that's one of my favorite live shows with Eric Carr. But I think the most favorite would have to be the the Hot in the Shade tour show from 1990 that they did in I think it was Detroit at the Auburn Hills i'm not even looking this up i just i'm just going off based on what i know based on the on the history that i know and he does a drum solo on that show that i always post every year on the on the anniversary of his of his passing where he incorporated the electric kit to his acoustic kit very cutting edge at the time and before I move on to the next drummer, he had this technique where well, you know even I incorporated it to my drumming where he they would place the microphone under the snare and not over the snare like most drummers do, and that just gives it a more reverberated drum sound, I guess like a bigger sound if if that makes any sense, it's just. It's, I mean, just another... A great person, too, from what I've heard from people that knew him personally. So... Couldn't go without mentioning John Bonham. Of course, the original. Bonzo. What drummer doesn't like John Bonham? Never really got into Zeppelin too heavy. That was... Way And and it's funny because I love Sabbath, I love the Beatles, I love the Animals, Jimi Hendrix, but all that stuff from like the 60s and 70s, there's certain stuff that I just can't tap into. I've given it a chance, you know, I have my fair share of Zeppelin songs, but I don't hold them to the regard that other people hold them to. Like, they're these gods. I guess we all have our... Are different. I guess we all have different tastes, you know, in different generations, too. I get that. I, hey, I hold kids to a high regard, but people still say they suck. So, who am I to say stuff about Zeppelin? But that's where the influence comes from for Eric Carr, you know, going back to John Bonham and hell, even Jason, throw Jason Bonham in there, his son, with his band. Bonham and the Jason Bonham band I think now he plays for he played for Zeppelin on one of those reunion concerts which they never wanted to do because Robert Plant kept saying, you know, I don't want to do it because that's not his dad. It's his son. And I totally get where Robert Plant's coming from. I mean, there's no amount of money that can satisfy these guys. They just don't want to do it. And I guess he wants to preserve his, his legacy, too. He knows he can't sing anymore. I don't think he ever could anyways. I don't know. I never saw Zeppelin live. So. I think I missed the boat on that one. <laughs> John Barnum. He tragically passed away, too. It was I believe it was 1980 from alcohol abuse. So sucks that these guys, you know, they die so young and some so much talent there that's just thrown out the window. Another drummer people don't really talk about is Alex Van Halen. I remember when I first heard Van Halen had to be when I really started getting into him. Maybe around 2001. That summer of 2001. Was when I was starting to come around on my own. Don't really hear much from Alex Van Halen these days. Don't really hear much from Van Halen at all. But again, he's one of those. One of those drummers that just. It ha- he has a certain uniqueness to him. Kind of like that parallel with the. You know, you have the Van Halen brothers, you have the Daryl brothers, and Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul from Pantera, who are no longer with us, unfortunately. But you have that parallel to where you have the one brother playing the guitar, and you have the other brother playing the drums. Kind of like my brother and I, too. <laughs> We're going to be the next uh, the next Van Halen. So, it's... <laughs> I joke about it a lot, too, because I, I, I try to keep up so hard with playing guitar and ba- uh, I'd say mostly guitar. And I, it's nowhere to where I want it to be. But if you see me behind a drum kit, I go to I keep up with you. And so, again, Alex Van Halen, it's again, one of those underrated drummers that just people don't really talk about too much. Being able to incorporate the electronic drumming in the 80s and being able to distinguish the different styles of the band from when David Lee Roth was in the band to when Sammy Hagar joined the band—two different bands, completely. The Roth era, the Roth era was more was based more off of hard rock and several influences, whereas the the Hagar era was more commercialized hard rock styling. I love both eras, to be completely honest. You know, I I I firmly believe that the that Sammy took him to a level that Roth wasn't taking them as far as commercial appeal and being able to reach out to bigger audiences, monster hits on the radio, chart topping albums. I think they had what. I think ever since Sammy joined the band, it was 5150, OU812, For Unlawful Cardinal Knowledge, and Balance. So it was four albums with Sammy. All went to number one. I mean, I think that says something. It might not mean much to people, but they spawned off a few hit singles, a few videos on MTV. And they were selling out... Shows left and right. Again, not not where Roth was taking them, but there's something to be said about that Roth era. That you can't touch any of those first albums, especially the first one. That's just untouchable. Go listen to Van Halen 1 and get back to me. See what you think. Moving on to this list. Lars Ulrich from Metallica. Yet another drummer that really, really improved his style as the late 80s progressed. Going from not having a drum kit to taking drum lessons all the way through and Justice for All and really, really getting that tight drumming on the Black Album. It's something that I always, I always enjoyed listening to. Because you go from one extreme to the next. It's almost like. You get too good, and then you strip it down to where it's just tight and very concise. You're not doing it for the sake of speed. It's more about power. It's more about precision. I mean, if you're really looking for thrash drumming, the Bible for that would be Injustice for All. Go listen to that. Blast beats galore. And imagine keeping, th- keeping up with that. And this is this is a time before Pro Tools was a thing. I think Pro Tools came around 1989, I think. For those of you that don't know what Pro Tools is, pretty much you know, back in the day, people were record on analog tape through a trident board or, or reel-to-reel. Then along came the computer and the workstation would be integrated in the computer. Hence what you have called now a a digital audio workstation. All you need is a little interface to connect to your computer, like a little, kind of like a handheld recorder in a way. And you just plug that in and you you're able to plug in your instruments through that, whether it's your guitar, your keyboard, your bass, your acoustic, even your electronic drum kit. Feed into that. Lars was, Lars is, is somebody that was way ahead of his time as well. Not only being able to improve as a drummer, but also having a business sense of it, as well as musically for Metallica. Again, you go from one extreme to the next where, like I said, you it's like you're getting too good. But then comes Bob Rock and says, "You know what? We need to capture what you do live in an album because we haven't captured that yet." And you get the Black Album, and of course, you just skyrocket. Can you imagine having—I could just imagine having to play dates like he did back in the day. Even to this day, you know, they're still selling out stadiums and arenas. And to be at that age, man, you just have to be. You have to be in really good shape. You have to be on your P's and Q's. You can't be fucked up when you're a drummer. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, when any instrument. You can't be fucked up because your performance is going to suffer. And people pay too much money to go see you. Not be able to play. So and again, this this goes on to show you all these drummers that I've mentioned. This is all pre Pro Tools. Pre-drum machines. So this they're coming from an era to where you really had to be good at what you were doing. You really had to practice. And you really had to nail that take. There wasn't all we'll fix it in post or we we'll just edit that. Absolutely not. You really had to be good at your craft. And if you were naturally inclined and had the ability, opportunity to take lessons to get better... I mean, wow, I think one of the one of the few few drummers I've really, really have a hard time trying to decipher would be Stuart Copeland from the police. I mean, you talk about a monster and not even not even again not even going back to speed, but more about everything that he's doing as far as incorporating the jazz element to it the reggae element to it it's just go. if you ever have a chance watch there's a performance that they taped you know the police taped on their reunion tour I think it was when they play Wrapped Around Your Finger and just just the way that he plays the drums just and he plays it in the tradition the traditional grip as well. If I were to ever be able to take lessons from him, man, that'd be a that'd be an honor. <laughs> Very notorious for him and Sting fighting on stage over keeping time. Sting would sometimes probably be playing the bass a little too fast. Or vice versa, a little too slow. I guess ego also has something to do with it. You have two e- big egos like that. Tremendous talent. I mean, it's just being able to incorporate those different styles and make make it a, a unique style. It always, always, always impresses the hell out of me. Something that I strive to do as well. Try to test the waters in different styles, whether it's hip-hop or jazz fusion, reggae, even funk. Just try to... Try not to be too close minded when it comes to drumming because there's so many things to explore, so many things you can come up with and be creative instead of just being stuck in a rut, playing the same rock beat over and over again. Peter Chris, like I mentioned before, original drummer from Kiss always brought that big band swing to the band. Generally a lot older than, than the other members and his was more it wasn't chaotic either it was more spontaneous again more more big band style more like a jazzy feel to it which hey you know brought them brought them tremendous success with their with their albums you hear his drumming on love gun or detroit rock city the god of thunder anything anything the break on 100,000 years on Alive is just something that has influenced so many musicians throughout the years. It's just improv. Last but not least, Eric Singer. Eric Singer gets overlooked a lot. I think due to the fact that he is in KISS and he's portraying the Peter Chris character, he gets overlooked quite a lot. And, and, and his style, personally, his style has drastically changed over the years where it's not even emulating Peter Chris, it's more just stripped down. I just don't get it. Because the Eric Singer that I grew up watching on video was the Eric Singer from when he joined the band from from the Revenge era. His drumming was insane. And then finding out that he Played drums for Black Sabbath and Lita Ford and Alice Cooper, Paul Stanley's solo band. I don't know what it is, man. I just don't know. But often gets well overlooked. I think that. I think that he is capable of a lot more, but he's just stuck in that. I mean, I get it. It's it's business, and you have to meet a certain criteria when it comes to it. But come on, man. So, that's in a nutshell my list of my ten favorite drum. I don't want to say top ten, but say ten favorite drummers. Fairly short. Something I want been wanting to do for the longest. As an amateur drummer like myself. It's... I don't know. I've always been inclined towards towards the drums. Some, it's probably the only instrument I would really want to get good at. Be able to play the drums. So... To... Let's see here. I'm going to end the show I got a good idea so I'm going to end the show with a clip from Eric Carr doing his drum solo from that 1990 KISS show that I was talking about earlier and it's about five to seven minutes long so thanks again guys for tuning in this was this was fun having to roll off the top of my head my favorite drummers and just what makes each one of them unique. And of course, I could keep talking on and on about every one of them, but there's just so so little time. You know, I forgot to mention Michael Jackson's drummer. He's another drummer I recently got into in the last year or two. It's just completely, completely changes everything about metronome and keeping time and just the uh, being in in the pocket like they say many of you might not understand what the hell i'm talking about but if you're a musician or aspiring musician you probably have an idea so thank you guys for tuning into the show feel free to rate review and subscribe to the show on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud and youtube the hangout podcast with juan hernandez feel free to follow me on social media at Juan underscore A underscore H on Twitter and send me a request on Instagram, Juan Alejandro Hernandez. So again, thanks again for tuning in. I will try to incorporate more of these episodes in the future. Maybe start setting up a web page, an email address, and video element, maybe even some music elements to the show. I've been messing around with the idea of Creating like an intro music for the show and outro, maybe even playing clips of music because the show. I don't know. I don't want to get kicked off off this platform for playing stuff that doesn't belong to me, like I'm about to do right now. <laughs> Kidding, of course. But thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Play a clip from Eric Carr, drum solo from 1990. Enjoy.